Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Namaste, mods and mamas. How are you today? So today's podcast interview is with Melanie Chandra. And honestly, I've had this podcast recorded since the beginning of March. And I had it set to go out in April and then the pandemic hit. And it just felt like everyone's life was kind of chaotic and podcast downloads were going down. And this interview was so good. I knew that I had to drop it at the right time when people were receptive to it. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to hold off until we were in the right mindset. And I think what we've been learning from this pandemic is that this is largely a transition from our ego, our finite self, into cracking open to our higher self, our infinite soul and living from a space of faith and breaking through the fears and the barriers and the patterns that no longer serve us, really shifting Um, And cracking us open in the ways that when our patterns of, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, um, rejection and needing approval, all these things that we were like so solidified in our character and our belief of who we are is now breaking open. And so today I have model, producer, and co-founder of Hospital for Hope, Melanie Chandra, who is going to help us press the reset button on rejection. I think this is such an important topic. I think it's something that holds us women back from really standing in our truth, being our authentic self, being unique. We get so caught up in being perfect and being seen in a certain way that we put on this mask because we're fearful of how we're going to be perceived or how people will take our light or our creativity or our unique expression. And so I think it was just such a beautiful conversation with Melanie who dropped so much wisdom of her being a actress and a producer and being in a career path where rejection and hearing no is just a natural part of your life. I heard this wisdom, do not laugh, from Kourtney Kardashian, actually. And I actually really loved this quote. She said that Kris Jenner had always told her that if you hear the answer no from someone, it means that you're asking the question to the wrong person. And I thought that was such beautiful advice because in life you are going to hear no's. A consistent series of no's at times, even when it's something that you're passionate about or something you believe in. But that doesn't mean that you give up or that your vision or what you are desiring to do is not good enough. It's just that you're asking the question to the wrong person and it's time to move forward. Learning from that experience, taking a little bit more, um, solidifying your belief a little bit more strongly and getting the confidence to move forward. So I'm so excited to invite Melanie, who you might already know, who is an actress and producer and who's deeply passionate about bringing more empathy to the world through her work. In line with that mission, she uses her platform both on screen and behind the camera to share powerful and diverse stories about women and minorities. 
She's best known for her work on CBS's Code Black, and after graduation, she landed a high-profile corporate job, which she eventually quit to pursue her childhood dream of acting. She landed a series of TV roles from guest appearances on Rules of Engagement, Parenthood, and Nashville, and some large reoccurring roles on Netflix's Brown Nation and HBO's The Brink. She's the co-founder for the not-for-profit Hospital for Hope India, which provides healthcare services to underserved villagers in rural India. She's also a second-degree black belt holder in karate and a trained pianist, and also to mama to two-year-old Arya. So today we're going to talk about how to press the reset button on rejection. This is such a good one, so grab your cup of tea and let's dive in. Hi, Melanie. Thank you so much for being here on the Time and Talks podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time coming. You are someone who inspires me so much, putting yourself out there. You have so much soul and um, you're so authentic. Um, so it's really, really nice to sit and connect with you and get to learn more about you and your journey. And um, we always start the podcast with a little icebreaker just to kind of get the energy right. So my fun little question for you today is, if you had a movie made about your life, who would you want to play as the actress for you? That's a good question. And no one has ever asked me that. So um, let me think. I think... I mean, I think people would probably expect me to name another brown actress, you know, and I'm all about supporting our community. Um, But I did want to name my one of my favorite actresses of all time. Mm -hmm. I would love to work with her, but I just think she has so much. um, There's so much depth to her, but also she has this beautiful comedic side. Mm -hmm. Emma Stone. I mean, it's great. Um, I think she could capture a lot of facets of my life that actually I probably don't show publicly. Um, There's this really weird, bizarre, quirky side to me. um, And then there's this like, you know, dark side to me too. And I think we all have that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like as an actress, she can, she can really, uh, you know, portray all of that. But also I just want to meet her. (laughs) (laughs) So that'll be a perfect, a perfect segue for you to meet her. But you know, I, when you said that, like I totally, I can relate to that aspect of you. You have a very deep, soulful side to you. You're very introspective. That comes out and from time to time on your, you know, your feed too, on your Instagram feed, like your thoughtful messages and just getting to know you as well. You're such a deep person, but you also have this side of you. Like you just finished this sketch comedy show called Back to School. That was such such a success. And now you're going to be, which is exciting. I wanted you to talk about it. But that's that also side of you of like really putting yourself out there. I think comedy is probably like you have to have a lot of balls to do that, to put Mm -hmm. yourself up there. And um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your experience with that and the show because that's so exciting. I'm so proud of you. Um, Sure. So one of my goals last year was to put on a live show just to stretch me as an actor and get back in from this on, on stage and um, it scares me the most. Like getting on stage scares me the most. Public speaking, I am like, I cringe. I don't like it. I get so nervous. Auditioning, I get so nervous. All of that. But I thought, why don't I just face my fears head on? And so um, I found a great uh, partner in Raji Sathyal, who's a stand-up comedian in LA. We've worked together in the past. And so just we developed this show is very organic. Like what are the different sides of us we want to share? Um, we're leading into our comedic sensibilities. And 
we wrote this thing. We found a theater in New York City that wanted to have us. And we, you know, put it out to the world. Hey, guys, we're just doing the show. It's a, you know, comedy show. Come. And people came. Mm-hmm. Without significant marketing, um, just it sold out like a week before, which was so crazy. And then it went really well. And the theater's like, do you guys want an encore show? We have another slot open on Sunday night at 9.30 p.m. I'm like, no one's going to show up. (laughs) (laughs) I would never show up. I'd probably be the one that like buys a ticket and then last minute post on Facebook. I'm like, I'm guys, I'm really, I can't make it. (laughs) But people showed up and it also sold out. And so it was really, um, it was, it was cool just to put yourself out there. It's like I said, it's terrifying, but to have it appreciate it is just like, so it's so fulfilling. Yeah. That's incredible. I well, I think that sometimes when you do it organically, I think when you don't all do all that mass marketing, it's more authentic and it's like kind of like trusting the divine and whoever was meant to show up showed up and you had two full sh- like sold out shows and it wasn't like the stress of like oh my gosh, I got to sell tickets like like you told me. You're like it was very organic marketing, like soft marketing. You told people about it, it was word of mouth. Yeah. That's incredible. And you know it was really refreshing for someone like you who is an actor. I think people, you know, maybe I don't know if anyone else has this perspective. I feel like people do. I feel like actors like have to be the most confident people because you are going on stage and you're going for auditions and you're constantly like putting yourself out there. It's really actually refreshing for you to heal. Be like, yes, I get nervous and you know, okay. it's not my favorite thing, but it's part of your job description. And, you know, in order to put yourself out there and which ties so seamlessly to what we're talking about today, which is all about pressing the reset button on rejection and hearing your thoughts and your experiences and your journey of um, your work and the line of work that you do and how you've experienced it. So I can't wait for us to dive into it. Thank you. So Melanie, I feel like being someone on the outsider, just thinking about the entertainment industry, it feels like rejection is just a normal and natural part of the process. You're putting yourself out there, your heart and your soul, and then there's someone there criticizing or critiquing your work, your talent. And so it just seemed to me that it would be so fitting for someone like you, who's part of the industry, who's built a certain level of confidence of being an actor and a producer to share your journey of how you've navigated rejection in motherhood, in work, in life. So I wanted to ask you, with your experience, were you a child that was some somewhat self-confident already, or is this something that you learned as you got older? You know, it's um, it's interesting. People always ask that question: Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? And I thought about it, and I would like I'd like to say I'm an extroverted introvert. So growing up, I was just inherently very, very shy. I was scared to talk to strangers. Um, you know, I I feel like I was pretty sheltered growing up. But you know, over time, I started coming out of my shell, and I think a big a big part of that was actually going into acting, right? Um, and that's why I love because it it um, it brought that that voice, that like quiet voice inside. I mean, it 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 encouraged it to grow, and you know, I'm inspired to share that with others. And I get I get a high engaging with other people now, but it, it really took me a long time to do that. It's, it's been a journey of my life. That's pretty amazing, and also I feel like 
what you're saying, you probably help cultivate it, putting yourself out there, help continue to cultivate that confidence as you're saying. And um, I can also relate as being an extroverted introvert because I was that shy child as well. (laughs) You know, kind of like coming into our own skin. I also feel like, you know, becoming becoming older and putting yourself out there, I think that's part of like the journey. I I, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I I still cringe. I'm like, should I do something? Should I say something? Should I not? But I feel like if we don't say something that can help another person, that's doing others a disservice and we're getting older and, and time is short. So why not? Why not extend a helping hand? Why not give a piece of advice? What's the point of holding back? Absolutely. I love that. So you, I mean, you were someone who took the rather traditional path, like what an Indian parent would want, right? You went to Stanford, you did mechanical engineering, you had a high profile corporate career, and then you decided that you were going to go back to your childhood dream of acting. Can you take us back to that and kind of help us understand how you took that leap and, um, what were, did you experience any judgment or rejection or was it something that you really got a lot of support from? Oh, wow. Um, did I get a lot of support? Um, I think I would have gotten more support had I just asked for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was really, again, going with the introvert, the shy, being self-conscious. When I made that decision, I was, I was, um, I studied engineering, moved to New York. I was working at a management con- consulting firm and when I decided to quit, I was so scared to tell people I was quitting because I wanted to become an actor. Mm-hmm. At the time, it sounded so self-focused. It sounded superficial. But these were just things I was projecting onto the others. Maybe I was insecure. Um, I didn't want people to think those things of me. Mm-hmm. And um, so it took, a, it took a lot of courage. But what happened is when I started to tell people, that's when the support came. I thought I had to do this in a vacuum, like on my own, because I don't want to broadcast to the world that this is what I'm doing. So I'll just sign up for classes quietly. I'll just talk to a few people here and there. But when I told people in my life that I loved and knew dearly, they were like, this is amazing. And you should do that. And anyone that tells you that this is not good, this is bad for you, is because they just wish that they had a passion that they could follow, which I thought was really interesting. I thought that was really interesting. But um, you know, I was really fortunate. My parents, they, they were surprised because again, this kind of came out of nowhere. Wait, you didn't tell us you wanted to be an actor. So where is this coming from? You got your degree, you're doing all this. So they're like, wow, this is interesting. Um, how are you going to support yourself? Hmm. Just going to quit your job. What are you going to do about health insurance? And these are all practical questions. And of course, at the time I rolled my eyes. I was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out. And health insurance, I don't need that right now. <laughs> You're like, I'm healthy. <laughs> well, of course, literally two months later, I got this weird like infection in my like in my gum and I had to get it treated and it, it cost me like several hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, I should have just listened to my parents. <laughs> they were correct. Um, but, but yeah, as you, as you go on this journey, it's, I feel like I, I do have a lot of support. I'm sure there's a lot of, there's a lot of haters out there, but you can't listen to that. I'm sure you as well, you're in the public eye now, and I'm sure not everyone's going to agree with your philosophy or people might spite you because you're doing what they secretly want to do. Um, but everyone has their own path and you just got to trust that you're, you're on yours. And that's what, you know, that's what you're meant to do. 
I love that. Great. And so when you took the leap, did you end up moving to California or were you staying in New York when you started your act, when you started your career as an actor? So I left my job and then I stayed in New York for about a year. Um, and I was enrolled in a really great theater program and an improv school. And I was doing, you know, independent projects that paid nothing and short film student films that paid nothing. I was like laughing girl night number two at a party. Like, I don't care, just that I want to get experience. Um, and then I met um, a really great champion who's still a champion of mine today. He, he is no longer in the industry, but he had started working at a desk of a really great um, agent out in LA at one of the big um, talent agencies, like mm-hmm. one of the best. And he's like, I see something in you. You have it. Um, when you quit your job, and I met him like a year prior to quitting my job. He's like, when you quit your job, call me. Maybe I'll be in a... A, a position of power and I can help you out. So I called him and I, I, and he was like, you know, at LA just has so much work. If you're serious about becoming an actor, you should consider moving there. And I was going through, uh, you know, a difficult time in my personal life and I kind of just wanted to start fresh. So I moved to LA and he started submitting me for auditions and I just started, I mean, I was really fortunate at that time. I think I took for granted. Um, It's hard to book an acting role, but I just happened to book a series of acting roles, like right off the bat, like my audition for, you know, a guest star on a TV series. It was, it was, um, it was surreal. Yeah. So I moved there and uh, a few years later I moved back because now I'm married and have a kid and things are like, you know, different life. But those good old days in LA, that was, that was fun. That's amazing. So going to your like auditions and like, well, you're also, you're an actress and you're a producer. So can you share a little bit about, cause this podcast is about rejection. Can you share some of your experiences in your journey of what you've learned or what you've experienced of um, facing rejection? Sure. So if I could calculate the stats, like the, the booking rate, how frequently you actually book an acting job, I mean, it's less than 1%. So, and I've gone on hundreds of auditions. So imagine that, like, imagine going on, knocking on 100 doors and maybe you'll get a yes once. And so like, what is it that keeps you going? My philosophy is you just need that one. Mm. You just need that one. Um, And I also learned something early on about um, competition and getting the role. Again, early on in my career, I had gotten close to a nice supporting role in a big Hollywood movie. And I was still green. I was still young in my career. And the role was perfect for me. And I thought my audition was great. And then my agent told me, you're down to the top four. Now it's down between you and one other girl. But this other girl's got like, you know, she's got some buzz in Hollywood, you're a newcomer, but let's, you know, I was just visualized. I'm like, please, this is my role. This is going to be my huge break. I'm going to, it's going to launch my career. And weeks went by and they're like, you're still in the running. You're still in the running. And, and then I found out the other, the other girl got it. And I was so devastated. I was like, this probably means I'm not meant to do it. I can't play in the big leagues. Um, that girl got it because she's better. She's more talented. She's prettier, whatever it is. She has it. Maybe I don't have it. And then I went to one of my acting teachers and he's like, why are you so, why are you so down? And I was like, well, I, I had an opportunity for this great role and I totally messed it up. He's like, you didn't mess anything up. That role wasn't for you in the first place. It wasn't your role. 
It wasn't anybody's role. It wasn't, you are not entitled to that role. You do your best and you move on. You have no idea what they're looking for. And you were maybe never even right to begin with. So even making that far is a huge, huge accomplishment. And I, I, I go into that mindset now, like you have to let go of the results. It's so hard coming from an engineering mindset <laughs> and our corporate background where it's like, it's all about getting the answers and you will do whatever you can to get the answers. But, um, you know, right now in this point in life, it's just, you're not right for every single part that comes up. You know, they're like, well, we really want a Priyanka Chopra. I'm like, okay, I'm not Priyanka Chopra. So I'm going to find something that suits me, you know? Um, but it's, it's hard. Like I said, it's a numbers game. It's very competitive out there, but all you can do is do your best. Yeah. That's incredible advice. As far as like, you just need one. That's golden wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be applied to a lot of different things. It's just not your career path. It's like that. That's really incredible. And do do you feel like over a period of time that you've great, gotten a thicker skin to when you experience, like when you get the no, like after having all these amazing mentors in your life and your career that give you these this amazing wisdom? Do you feel like you've gained a thicker skin over a period of time or has the sting, does, <laughs> does the sting get any less? That's what I'm trying to It does actually, um, it does get less. Uh, again, I don't know. I just have this like really optimistic um, outlook on life and career. And I, hopefully that stays, <laughs> hopefully that sticks with me. But um, I just believe that I'm on this journey, everything's happening when it's supposed to happen. I mean, we can go into this later, but like time with kids and family, like as a woman who's very career focused and my career is in front of the camera for the most part, mm-hmm. um, you feel like, are you missing out on opportunities because of, you know, devoting some time to having a kid? I mean, that's a, that's a different conversation, but going back to, does it get easier? Um, there's still definitely heartbreaks, especially if you really, really, really want something. But me understanding why it's happening, I'm not pointing the finger to me anymore. It, and I'm not pointing the finger to anybody. I, I think it's just, it is what it is. It's, um, you know, I I was even reading a script. I was down to just a couple of girls for this a lead in a feature film and I read it. I'm like, they're not going to cast me. I love this part, but they're not going to cast me. And it was frankly because I knew I looked too much like another girl that was already cast in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no way they're going to cast me. I'm glad I'm getting this far, but it's a business. So if you see that side of it, it's easier to remove yourself. You know, as an actor, performer, you are a product of your own business. So you have to understand when when they're when people are going to want want to buy you and they're not i know it's it's sad to put your like think of yourself in those terms but it's it's true you are a business you are a product and i think that's that wisdom i think can be translated in all different areas so i love that you shared that um and one of the things that i really admire about you that you share is that you want to inspire more empathy through to the world, through the work that you do on screen and off screen. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what's your vision behind that and how you bring that forward in the work that you do. Sure. Um, so, you know, growing up as a, a South Asian woman, I never saw myself on screen. And so as a young girl, I, I had so many issues. Like, am I, am I, it, I couldn't relate to anybody. 
you know, and I couldn't have that conversation. Like, what is my identity? Where do I fit in? Um, I don't matter. Like I, it was, it was weird. It just, it spiraled to like, I don't matter in this American landscape. Like no one cares about us. We don't see ourselves. Um, I never want my daughter to have that feeling, you know, and I think it is already starting to change, but I don't want anybody's kids to have that feeling, whether you're any shade, you know, any shade of brown whatsoever. And so a lot of the stories I'm focusing right now, and it's not limited to this, but they are, um, you know, getting more women of color on screen and in roles, not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera as well. And so right now I have a project in development with HBO, which will star two South Asian women of different generations and have a strong supporting South Asian cast. Um, there's two other pet projects I'm working on that also, um, you know, give South Asian women the liberty to shine on screen, which I'm really excited about. Um, so there's the, the representation aspect of it too, but in terms of the, as an actor and the parts I want to take on that other people are writing, um, I hope I can just bring a lot of humanity to it and tell stories that have, have meaning and can change the narrative and, you know, empower people to take a hold of their life and do good things for others. I know it sounds really fluffy right now, but I feel like everything I touch, I want it to have some sort of purpose. Otherwise, why am I, why am I doing it? Right. I agree. And I think it's amazing also, at least, you know, being, being Indian, you know, you, there's always that different shade level, right? Like the, <laughs> the, the shade that you are. And I got that a lot as a child, like, oh, you're dark. My brother's like super fair. And like compared to him, I was like super dark, but it's amazing to see women of all different shades of brown and shades of, yeah. different. I think that, and like being pers per personified as you know, this is beauty, it's like a range of everything. I think I love that yeah. message that we're sending our girls. And you do have a daughter that she's <laughs> two or two and a half. She's almost two in a couple of weeks. Oh, oh, two. Okay. I'm so she's two, yeah. two, Aria. Yeah. And um, having a daughter, I think, with any child, but specifically raising young girls, self-esteem, self-confidence uh, are such important um, values that we want to impart on our youth. So regarding that, I know that she's still young, but what are your, some of your thoughts about how you're going to help her build her strong, a strong sense of self and her confidence? Well, I mean, I don't think I have to do too much. This girl is very assertive, confident, knows what you want. She's like the polar opposite of me. So honestly, I mean, she's schooling like the boys in her soccer class right now. It is quite amazing. Um, you know, for me, like as a as a mom and like a, a South, you know, of South Asian descent, and people consider South Asian moms like tiger moms. Um, I never experienced that growing up. My parents were really like, do you know, do what you want, but don't do too much because we can't afford to put you in all of these classes and we have to work and all of that. We can't drop you off. It's you know, for me, I, I want to be able to give her everything, and I want her to try whatever she wants to try. Um, and then, but just stick to something. I mean, that's, that's my biggest thing is just stick to something. If you really like it, stick to it, like persist, you know, um, at least I think that's going to be my advice right now. We have her in ballet, soccer, art class, gymnastics, <laughs> she likes all of it. Um, but I think for a girl, I think for any kid, grit is just so important. Mm. 
I think that's important. You know, it's, yeah, it's hard work, it's focused, but it's really great. If you want to go after something, like really put your all into it. And I think as a girl, as a woman in this world, I just want to make sure that she speaks her mind and she's, um, like I said, she's already really assertive and I just hope she doesn't, doesn't lose that. So, you know, I, I hope I can be a mom that's, we can just have these really honest, heartfelt conversations and she'll trust me and want to tell me everything. I just hope I can do my best to encourage her to find her voice maybe a little bit sooner in life than I did. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's always so interesting because the way that you talk about Aria, like my son Ion is very much like the assertive, like really strong, strong sense of self, which is the opposite of who I was as a children child. So it's interesting how our children come to us and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're from us, but they're so different than us. You know, it can be yeah. so interesting of that dichotomy. Um, but have you, I know I've definitely experienced situations in motherhood where I felt rejected or like instances of like where maybe rejection from the past gets manifested into my relationship with my son. Have you ever experienced any of those types of um, experiences of rejection, quote unquote, in motherhood per se? Could you actually give me an example of something you experienced? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So for me, um, and so I haven't shared this story a lot, but I will share it. But, you know, for me, a lot of my childhood, um, you know, we used to, South Asians used to get, you know, disciplined by being yelled at or, you know, like being spanked and these types of things. So when my son was going through the phase between like two and like three, that's when he was going through, when he would pull my hair, it would literally take me to a place where I would like see red because it would take me to a place in my childhood where I felt unseen, unheard. Um, and that felt like rejection to me. So mm-hmm. it took me a while because I'd be like, I'm so patient. It's so calm with you. And, then you pull my hair. and it just felt like a rejection to me as the parent, because I was like, oh my gosh, you're not like accepting of my love and you're like hurting me instead. <laughs> but like, that's like an experience with me. And you may not have had this, but I was just saying that if that kind of, if you ever felt like, like that kind of manifest in motherhood or not. Um, that's interesting. I haven't, it's like every day goes by so quickly every day. There's like a new thing. Um, do, does it ever feel like motherhood is a blur? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> asking me to pinpoint something like, it's just a, a blur. I mean, when have I felt rejected when you spend a lot of time and love, cooking and it just all goes on the floor. She went through this whole phase where everything she would just throw on the floor and swap the spoon away. She's a little bit better now. She's a, a very picky eater though. Or um, the other night, she's generally a good sleeper. Uh, the other night though, she woke up in the middle of the night and you know, she had been well fed and her diaper routine, all of that was done. And I was so tired. I was only in a few hours of sleep and she I picked her up and then she just started jumping. She just wanted to play. And I was like, please she like lie down. And then I lied down in, in the bed in her room with her. And I was like, mom needs to sleep. Mom needs to work. She's like, no, <laughs> mom, get up. And this is, like, she's not even two yet, but she's on the ground and she's pulling at my hair. Mom, get up. No, I want to play. I don't think that's a rejection, but it's like, it's like I, I thought when I, when I was a kid, I thought when I'm going to be, when I'm an adult, I'm going to have, 
I'm going to be like the horse whisperer with kids. They're going to like understand me because I'm a kid. I know what it's like to be a kid now. Like, but adults are so weird. I'm like, I'm not going to be a weird adult. I can talk. So I'm like, try, try to use logic. I'm like, it just doesn't work. <laughs> like, I'm offended. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Oh, that is so funny. No, I've definitely, definitely had those experiences um, as well. And uh yeah, it'll be, we'll have to do like a sequel because as she grows, <laughs> there's anything you could add to that. But I totally attest to like, it's a blur. Like when, now that my younger is one, I can't remember my older one. <laughs> I have to go back to the videos because like you said, it's a big blur. Like there's just now, like I know my son is now. And of course I rem- like, he's almost five, but I'm like, like, I don't remember all those other things. And thank God, you know, thank God for all the millions of videos and photos that we could take to remind us, but um, it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. Med- uh, motherhood is definitely a blur. Um, so if you'd like to, you shared a little bit, but like, so what are you working on right now? Or like, are you, um, if you're, I don't know if you're allowed to share, but like, what are you working on right now? Or where can we find some of the work that you've done um, for anyone who may be new to you? Sure. Um, so looking historically, um, one of my favorite roles was on a CBS medical drama called Code Black. Yes. I know um, that. <laughs> it was very cool. I got to work, work with Marsha Gay Harden, who is an Oscar winner. She's, be- I mean, she's just like a beautiful soul. And she really took me under her wing. And it was my first role as a series regular on primetime TV. So um, I was able to do that for two years and work with some other great performers like Rob Lowe is on the show. So it was um, a really special time. Um, Another great role I I love doing was on a show called The Brink for HBO. Uh, I got to play Asif Monby's little sister and I got to work opposite of Jack Black for all of my all of my episodes. That was great. Unfortunately, this show didn't get a season two. It, um, there's a story, but it was, um, it was a very, it was very special show for me. And, um, um, yeah. And then I worked on a show called, uh, Brown Nation for Netflix Mm -hmm. directed by Abby Varghese, um, which was a very quirky comedy. And that taught me to just trust my instincts as a, you know, a person who loves comedy. So that was really fun. And, uh, yeah, coming off of season two of code black, I, I got pregnant and, um, during my pregnancy, I started to write and think about producing and creating some of these ideas that had been in my head for a while. So one of them, which is ultimately the one we sold to HBO, um, that one is currently titled, an currently titled attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's about a, uh, Indian American tech CEO living in New York city, who's forced to share her tiny apartment with her immigrant mom who moves in with her in the middle of a, as she's trying to separate from her husband. So it's, it's cool. Um, I'm working with an old friend and she's an amazing writer, Amy Aniobi. Um, and Reese Witherspoon is one of our executive producers on it. So incredible doing amazing stuff i've seen i've seen your work um i wanted other people to be able that i'm sure they have but if they haven't you guys check, check melanie's workout and um i wanted to end this is like total side note but this is something that we had talked about before and i'm just curious myself and you shared that you 
are starting to like meditate again. This is something that you were doing and then you're trying to come back to. And I was just curious to see like, what does your meditation practice, what like jives with you? What do you do? Um, I like to do guided meditations in the morning. Um, and then any given point in the day when I don't feel like I'm very present, I'll just focus on my breath. Mm-hmm. And that's been helping me a lot. And I think that's really, really, it's extremely helpful for this acting job as well. When you, well, A, from a craft perspective, when you need to get grounded and present to get into character and work on the material, but also the the stress and anxiety and the what ifs and did I get it, did I not? And we talked about some of that, but I think meditation helps me realign with the greater vision that there that this is all unfolding the way it should be. So, um, so that's been good. It's been really good for me. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Melanie, for coming on here, sharing your truth, being so honest and vulnerable. It's been such an honor to get to know you more. And um, why don't you quickly just share your Instagram handle for anyone who doesn't follow you and um, yeah, anywhere else that they can find you if you have a website or anything like that. Sure. Um, my Instagram is just at Melanie Chandra. And uh, my website is melaniekchandra.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you everyone for listening. This was our series of our Real Moms conversations. And I hope you love this. Thank you so much. Until next week. Bye, guys. If you love this episode, I'd be so grateful if you subscribe on iTunes, share it with your mama besties, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you got to do to share is screenshot it, share it on your Instagram story, use the hashtag Time and Talks Podcast, and tag me at Dejal V Patel. Of course, you can just text your mama besties the pod too, which is also totally cool. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, as my special thank you, I'd like to give to you my seven-day stress detox course absolutely free. This is a $79 value course I'm giving to you complimentary as my thank you for leaving a review. If you're a mom who wants tools to use in the heat of the moment that helps you decrease stress, manage your triggers, stop your own meltdowns, or you just want to infuse a simple moment of peace throughout your busy day to get centered, well, you want to get your hands on these tools. These tools are rooted in ancient Ayurvedic and yoga wisdom, and these kundalini meditations that I teach only take three minutes or less to feel better. These are my daily go-to tools that keep my stress at bay and help me feel calm and centered, and I'd love to make them available to you. All you gotta do is email me a screenshot of your review over to Dejal at DejalVPatel.com. That is T-E-J-A-L at T-E-J-A-L-V-P-A-T-E-L.com. I'll send you the course details right away so you can get started. 